Welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, Conversations with a Cause, with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. Saf came relatively late to entrepreneurship after working in both the public and private sectors. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur that's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as in being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare-to-work and skills provider. In these podcasts, he shares his thoughts with journalist Adrian Kibler. So, let's join the conversation. Hello, and welcome to Canny Conversations with Safra Zali. This Canny Conversation aims to bring you a canny conversation with a cause, conversations that will captivate your curiosity cannily. And we hope that that's what we've done over the past three months. Uh, this is episode 11, and it's the final one in this series, although we very much hope and expect to be back before too long. This is a time to reflect, Saf. So, have you enjoyed the last um, period doing these? Uh, podcasts it's been different adrian it's been uh, um it's been as i say an experience uh, i think the best thing about doing any podcast or any sort of creative exercise is that it gives you time to reflect and think some of the time you've got certain thoughts but it gives you more clarity over your own thinking your own your own thoughts and what it's done for me is uh it's not just about content that we've created for the podcast, but I've had to then make notes and then I thought, okay, you know what, that can work for me as a possibly a blog or that could work for me as, as a piece that I can share with the team, the staff. So there's multiple elements of benefits of, of doing this in terms of, you know, you know, we were thinking about initially whether, you know, well, I was thinking initially whether to do a podcast or not. I've been thinking about it for three years took the decision to to do so because I reframed the question in my own head and I said you know if somebody asked me the question should I look at doing a podcast or should I look at doing a video or should I start creating videos or should I start blogging my answer would always be yes of course you know the best time may have been to start three years ago or five years ago but ultimately the best time is now rather than you know leaving it and then you know, in a year's time or further down the line, thinking that I should have done this or grasped the opportunity and go for it. So I'm glad that, you know, we've gone on this journey of Canny Conversations podcast. It's uh, definitely grown my audience in terms of people that that have uh, looked at my content or listened to my content. And I've got in touch with uh, some good people as well. And I've had some good reviews and I'm really appreciative. And at the same time, ultimately, I've, I've learned heck of a lot myself in terms of my own thinking and my own beliefs and my own views. So thank you. The other point um, is that these Canny Conversations are based upon the Canny Bite books, business wisdom books, and Saf has written three of those. And if anybody wants to listen again to the podcast, the great thing about podcasts, of course, is they're always there and you can catch up and you can repeat them and you can listen again. Uh, and they've also uh, amplified what we're speaking about in the three books. One of the things that we've asked and really want people to do is say we want people to subscribe, we want people to like, and we want people to provide them with their feedback. And I think what I'd like to do, Saf, if it's okay, is just to pick up a couple of things that our, our listeners have been talking about. 
I mean, the, the great thing about this is we said that we were going to start a conversation, and my goodness me, we've done that. But let's pick up a couple of points. Uh, uh, a lot of people have said some wonderful things, and particularly about 1386 Audio, the, the people that we've have been working with us on this. One listener, though, Saf, proves that he's been listening. He, he, he was very interested, and I say that, Politely, when we talked in one of the early episodes about families, businesses as families, and you said that a business should be as, as far as possible a family. You talk about the pathway f- uh, family and all the rest of it. He said, well, I don't think that's really realistic. He said that in any family environment, you, you've got unconditional support and unconditional love. And if you try and apply that to a business situation, it becomes very difficult to manage performance. Uh, it damages productivity. So any reflections on that? I think it's a lot of it's about perception, isn't it? You know, when we talk about a pathway family, what we're really talking about is creating a culture, a, a culture of kindness, a culture of growth, a culture of caring, culture of progressing. You know, business is perceived as generally bad. People, you know, still use that word. It's not personal, it's business. It's about hard knows and so forth. And we're saying, yes, you know, occasionally there's going to be situations where it's going to be tough, it's going to be hard. And But what we're talking about is doing things in a way which is ultimately with respect. And, you know, we link kindness with respect. I mean, you can be kind to somebody and still be tough because you have respect uh, at the core of it. You know, we, we have this uh, saying that nobody cares about what you've got to say until they know that you care. So you'll take for advice from anybody if you know that their intention is that they actually, you know, they, they do care. Otherwise, it's just when people are giving you advice, people like throwing advice willy-nilly, but for them, it's about themselves as the more ultimately, you know, it's, it's got to be about you. So if somebody's giving you advice for the betterment of you, and that could be critical advice, that could be advice that might be difficult for you to listen to, but you listen to that advice because ultimately you know the other person cares and you'll take to that. But there's some, somebody else who might give you advice, but that may be about one-upmanship. That may be about putting you down. And he may say, the person or he or she may say it slightly differently, but you're less likely to take that on board. So from my perspective, it's about you know the social behaviors and norms. It's about really creating a culture of togetherness, getting people to understand their individual responsibility as well as their collective responsibility because a company a business is about the collectiveness it's and this is where we come together this is where the family is the fact that we're on the journey together for that particular purpose and this journey may not i mean we also know the fact that a career isn't necessarily for life if somebody's you know expecting the fact that they're going to be with a company for 30 40 years gone on those days so you're part of a journey and that journey may be for whatever period in your life, but for that period, you're on that bus together. And it's not about the fact that, you know, you will have conflict, potentially. You'll have people where you'll have disagreements, but it's about taking the negativity, the con out of the conflict. So can you be a family within a business environment? Of course you can, because it's an environment of collective responsibility, togetherness. It's like saying, you know, you're living in a house share. There's going to be some bonds. There's going to be some connection. And ultimately, that is your family because you're living together. 
you know, if somebody said, just said that, it might be seen as odd, but because you're spending so much time together, you've got a, a collective responsibility because you're living in the house together or in the business together, then that's what we're talking about. You know, what we don't want, sorry, Adrian, I know you want to come in on this, but what we don't want is a culture where it's uh, finger pointing or it's, it's not my problem, gov type of culture, or then you've got an element of uh, stress that has within the business. People need to own their mistakes. You know, we talked about that in, in, in previous weeks. They need to have ownership, accountability, responsibility, and regard this as social behaviors and, and norms. And really, it's about culture. It's really leaking that into a cultural environment. I'm going to bring up something else that, that you've said, and it might not come as the biggest surprise in the world, but something that's really got people chattering and not always agreeing, and that doesn't matter. You know, we're starting a conversation, but and maybe people have misunderstood you. Maybe I've misunderstood you in the past, but you've made this comment about experience, and you've been fairly disparaging about experience and suggesting it's not important. And a lot of people have said, you know, experience is gold. It's the one thing that you cannot buy. And we did a little survey as, as part and parcel of this, and we asked people if they thought experience was valuable. Uh, and let me caveat by saying, you know, I don't claim it was a scientific survey. You know, the, the, the people that responded were self-selecting and they weren't. there were not that many of them. But 70% of them said that they thought experience was the most important quality. Have we misunderstood you or, or are they wrong? Again, a lot of this is about perception and how we uh, see things and view words and, and what they mean to us. And people take certain words personally as well. So, they, you know, they, they take it as an insult to them. And it's not meant to be. What I, You know, my view is that sometimes experience is overrated. If somebody's, you know, I've got a website out there and said, you know, between us, we've got 100 years of experience. What does that actually mean? Does that mean that the, the most competent, the most credible, that the most professional, they've got the eyes expertise? Not necessarily. If somebody says, you know, well, I've been a mechanic for 30 years, I've got 30 years of experience. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's all relevant. Yeah. And relevancy is the key. We live in a world where technology has changed. You know, the example that I remember that I gave to you is that in our sector, our funding has changed. The people that we deal with has changed. Our market has changed. Technology has changed. And unless you kept up to date, unless you're in a position where you're still relevant, and uh, you're in a position where you've been adaptable, you've, you know, it's about your ability to react and adapt and pick up those things, that experience has got lesser and lesser value to it. If you're, if you're a journalist that's been there for a journalist for 30 years, if, you, if you're not up to date, if you're not relevant, you know, how do you make that into a currency? What's happening is too many people are using that as a currency of their expertise. And experience necessarily is not necessarily expertise or competence or the best people for a particular task or job. Because there's going to be, in some cases, situations where it, it doesn't necessarily mean that's, that's what this is. So experience doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best at that particular aspect of it. It may be if you've kept up to date, if you're, you know, if you've reacted and adapted, you know, if you've had a mindset of growth. You know, one of the quotes that I love quoting is this Alvin Toffler quote, which is the illiterate of the 21st century are not, uh, will not be those people who cannot read or write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn or relearn. And I think that's the key. 
and people have taken to heart the fact that, you know, experience has no value, but the meaning is experience doesn't necessarily relate to a currency that says that I'm more of an expert than somebody else or better than you. So my bugbear is the websites and marketing, which claims 10 years experience, 20 years experience, doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean the fact that that person has been successful in, you say, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, winning business or anything like that. So that's where I get a little bit frustrated. No, it's it's a very fair point. I, I mean, very briefly, as far as journalism is concerned, journal, the, the, the fundamental of journalism is to be able to identify and to tell a story in an interesting way, whether it's verbally uh, through broadcast or whether it's in words, you know, in, in, in print or online. The, the, the techniques, uh, the, the experiences haven't changed in 100 years. What's changed is some of the technology in terms of the way in which it's delivered. What I want to do, Saf, is go through some of the some there have been some lovely phrases and some lovely sound bites um, throughout the series, and I want to ask you to sort of just comment on some of those. We've talked a lot about leadership, and you've said being a leader is not about yourself, and you've also talked about leading from the back. And again, one of our one of our listeners has been kind enough to write and say, "Look, the very leadership." of essence is is something that people do from the front. So there are three things I want you to just share with me and help me understand. Um, leadership is not about yourself. Leadership can be done from the back and not from necessarily from the front. And the other thing that you said that really resonated with me was a meeting in which I've done most of the speaking has not normally been a good meeting. So help us with that. Yeah, I mean, you said, you know, you said yourself, these are sort of sound bites that, you know, we've, you know, you've, listeners have, have sort of attuned to and picked up and on their own you know we, we will have a, a different interpretation and you've got to put everything in, into a bit of a context to really get the full understanding of it and and I'll, I'll go through a couple of things you know fairly briefly from my perspective every problem in business is a people problem so whether it's a lack of customers capital culture it comes down to people if your business is having issues with strategy, with finance, lack of finance, marketing, not enough sales, not enough uh, customer complaints, usually it's down to people. It will be a people to, uh, people thing. So at the same at the same footing, clearly, if every business problem in the business is a people problem, then every opportunity and every solution in business is also a people based solution uh so every solution is a is a people-based solution and from my perspective you know i use this saying for what my view is that in real estate in property people talk about location 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 we say people 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 and it's about the people so our job as leaders is to attract the best people that we can uh retain them and grow them because that's how you're going to get business growth you create an environment where the team as a whole is better uh, in terms of sum of parts rather than an individual. And, you know, one plus one isn't two, but, you know, we're there to make each other better. And that's what the definition of our team, a team that we use is that we're a team because not the fact that we work together, but because we make each other better. We're a high growth team because we challenge each other. We, we normalize success. And your environment is everything. And I think if you're in an environment where you normalize 
a success, you normalize opportunity, you normalize creativity, adaptability. You know, we all playing a higher game, a bigger game. I think that that is absolutely vital. But just as people buy from people, people are now also attracted to businesses, not because of the the company name, but also who they're going to work for or which team they're going to work for. That's important for people. So people buy from people, but people also are attracted to people. People also leave people. And the environment of where you're working is uh, the immediate team that you're in. So even though you're part of a bigger team, so if I'm working for a, a large multinational, uh, you know, I'll be part of a, a team within a team and within a team possibly. And the people that are around me will be my environment, will be my culture. So regardless of the core values of the business, that's what I'm experiencing. So if I'm experiencing positivity, if I'm with people that inspire me, that energize me, then you'll get the best out of me. But if I'm with people that are draining, that you know have got political games or they've got their own purpose, they've got their own agendas, and there's an element of bias and there's a conflict from a negative perspective, arguments for the sake of arguments and one-upmanship, then you're creating an environment which is a toxic environment and then that environment will not get the best out of me and I want to, I'll probably want to get out of that environment. People leave managers, not businesses. You know, I think that's not a myth. I think that's, you know, the, the people do do that because it's the environment that you're in. It's not necessarily the business that you're working for a particular person, you're working for a team and, and sometimes people stay within a company because of the people. We've spent a bit of time in the last few weeks talking about recruitment and um, yeah, I mean, when you say people leave managers, not businesses, just, just to elaborate on that a bit, if you would. Yeah, I think it's the culture, it's the environment, isn't it? It's, you know, they talk about recruitment, but bad recruitment is prevalent. And this is where I have to again say to my team as well, if you think paying a recruitment agency is expensive, it's a lot of money and should be avoided, imagine the cost of getting the wrong person in your organization. And it's not just about the wrong person, it's about sometimes a person, but putting them in the wrong seat. So it's about firstly getting people on your in your bus. I mean, I'll use that bus analogy. So you're getting people on your bus, but also making sure that they're in the right seat as well. And I think that's key as well. Being able to understand what their skills are, what their traits are, what their strengths are, and actually working to people's strengths. I think in terms of going back to recruitment, I think mistakes happen when you're unclear about where the direction of travel is. You're unclear in terms of what you're trying to seek in the first place, uh, or your desired outcome is. And how is that going to be measured? So these are all the things that are sometimes difficult or there's, there's issues that happen. And then, you know, you, you find the fact that bad decisions are made or mistakes are made. Finding the right people and placing them in the right position, in the right order, with the, within the right team you know, is easily said than done. You know, there's books and books that have been written on the topic, podcasts that have been recorded and so forth. You know, the last time I checked, uh, it was like 130,000 books on just on leadership on Amazon. So it's it's a subject that's been debated, been written about at, at all different levels, people writing from a personal perspective, people writing from an academic perspective, researching and so forth. And this is an area which you will find everybody has got a view, but everybody has got an experience and about really, you know, what I would say to the audience is, uh, you know, listen to whatever you feel is right and then take on board what, what's right for you. 
I mean, in, in the series, we've been basically talking about issues that have interest and value and importance to people that are already in business, you know, some of them perhaps for some time, some of them perhaps relatively new. We've also reflected in one of the episodes on some of the issues that will come out of um, the COVID pandemic. And, you know, we've been through a period of seismic change. And I, I think historians in several hundred years' time will write about this last 12 months. Massive change. And part of that change, of course, is that there are inevitably going to be people that are going to lose their jobs and looking for something, a next step in their life, and possibly they'll be considering setting up a in business. Life's pretty challenging for young people and certainly what's happened over the last 12 months is not going to make it any easier for them. So I'd like to sort of run into the dying embers of of the series by giving you an opportunity to basically talk about the sort of advice. If somebody comes to you and says, I'm looking to start a business, whatever stage in the life they are, what advice would you give them? I mean, hopefully it's not don't, but I've just been made redundant or I've just left college. I, it's difficult getting a job. I'd like to go into business. Just give them a bit of advice, if you would. I mean, Adrian, I, I tend to slow people down. I, I, I tend to sort of say to people generally, um, this is where I want to do, this is how I want to do it. And there's a lot of excitement. And with excitement, with, with that energy, there needs to be a little bit of a sort of a critical thinking. There needs to be a little bit more planning. You know, motivation is high, there's adrenaline, there's excitement, there's emotion there. And we've got to change that a little bit around to uh, a different way of thinking, I think. You know, we have this uh, sort of fear at times, you know, you have a, a sort of reptilian brain, we have a monkey brain, and we have sort of like an entrepreneurial brain as well. And to a certain level, I think we have people who've got mixed feelings, mixed views, and the people that are around them, their, uh, their loved ones, their partners, will also have uh, an opinion and view. And you're in the, particularly you're in a period where you can make decisions, you can take actions uh, with a clear mind, you may not do. So a lot of the time I'm encouraging people to slow down, slow down a little bit, not to get too excited, not to feel the fact that they're missing out not to feel the fact that this is be all end all and it's got to make you know, this has to happen and, and go back to their reasonings why and what they what do they want to do out of it. And just because somebody else is suggesting something, they've got to reflect. And sometimes, you know, they're sleeping on it, whether that sleeping on it is for a little while longer, whether that could be a week for some people, that could be a month for some people, but they've got to reflect on it. You know, it's not just a matter of, okay, I've been, you know, made redundant on a Friday and then on the weekend I'm setting up a company because I, I feel like I need to hit the ground running and I need to do it. Reflect, readjust, realign with your thoughts, understand and, and take yourself into an environment where you can be challenged. And I think people make sort of a lot of these decisions in a comfort environment or in a, an emotional environment and they need to be able to show you know, why they're doing it as well. And sometimes they can put their thoughts on paper, they can reflect on it a little bit more, you'll make better decisions. And I think ultimately it's about how you make decisions, what those decisions are, and what's the process for you to have made those decisions. So really, a lot of the, a lot of the time when I'm talking to people in that situation, I come across as a baddie and discouraging people, but I'm not there to encourage or discourage. I'm just there for them to sort of start thinking a little bit better for themselves. You know, if this is what they want to do, 
fantastic. I obviously want to encourage people to develop and grow. But at the same time, if somebody's come to me for advice, that's a big responsibility. That's a burden on my shoulders. And it's easy for me to say, yeah, go out and just do it and achieve your dreams. But what I would like to do is get them to have a sense of a, a check with themselves, really. Is that something they really want to do? You know, what are their strengths? Just having the idea isn't the be-all, end-all implementation of it. So there's an element of, you know, the planning that goes into it, the strategic element of it as well. And so it's a combination of those things. But at the same time, then, you know, if it's right for you, then it's right for you. And you've got to make that decision. Making those decisions in an environment which is, you know, gives you more clarity. And if you can get that clarity, that's where your best decisions are made. Just to apply a bit of context, because the great thing about podcasts is that they are there for people to listen to uh, at their convenience. We're, we're having this this chat, this conversation uh, in early spring 2021. So that's, that's the context of the, the situation. So given that being the case and given all that's happened and the fact that you know, we're perhaps moving into a slightly more hopeful situation. Just by way of conclusion, are you optimistic about the future? Pessimistic? How do you feel? I'm, I'm always um, conscious in terms of the opportunity. That, you know, in every situation, there's going to be opportunity. In every situation, there's going to be some element of negativity. It is a roller coaster ride. Yes, we've gone through a, a different period, but life is a roller coaster. There has ups and downs. And I think you have to retain hope you have to have hope if you lose hope you've got nothing um and you know whether it's optimistic or uh, or not you've got to stay hopeful you've got to stay positive and you've got to carry on and keep uh, keep growing so there are so many people to thank um yourself more than anybody for the books and for the the conversations and for, for your time and for your his wisdom and your thoughts. Mark, who's been our producer and done a marvellous job. Rachel, who's supported us. Andrew, who's been a great, a great supporter, come up with a lot of, of great ideas. But the most important people that we want to support are, are the people that have taken the time out to listen to us. We do hope to be back at some point in the future, but this is the point at which we bring this canny conversation uh, with a cause to a close. We hope people have enjoyed listening to us. We hope that they will like, uh, subscribe and comment. And we also hope that they, they keep safe. That's it for now. So bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this Canny Conversation with a Cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safra Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safras at pathwaygroup.co.uk. This is a 1386 audio production.